Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I just associate it with dummies. Mackey and Judd. They think that they're you-know-what, don't stink, and they know everything. On 1500 ESPN. Butler attacking against Turner. Takes all kinds of contact to Andrew. Except Jimmy Butler draws the foul and will head to the free throw line. First one ties it up. And the Timberwolves back on top with two and a half to go. Turner gets it in. Lillard forces it up for the win, and the Timberwolves escape. Unbelievable. It's always fun to win. No matter how it is. No matter if we're down or ahead. Uh, it's just fun to play a little defense. If you ask me. <laughs> fun to play a little defense. Jimmy Butler could drop 40 points. Him and Jamal Crawford can score the last 21 for the Wolves. Yep. And he cares so much more about like the one stop. He, His affection and affinity for defense is... Uh, at some point, you'd think going to rub off on some of these other younger guys. That quote, quite so so basically the question he, he was asked was, okay, the, the turning point when, when you started to score points, and he immediately ch- said, that's all, all you guys want to talk about is scoring points. And then he went into this long, long explanation of defensive play. Yeah, and that's why, well, that and his lackadaisical, inefficient, slumping offense is why Andrew Wiggins sat for the majority of the fourth quarter. Well, Jamal Crawford was out there, and he's not the greatest defensive player, but at least he's going to get in and and uh, get some shots. Jamal Crawford, here's the biggest difference, aside from just a decade and a half of extra experience. Jamal Crawford may sometimes go a little crazy with his shot selection, and you know he gets a little bit heat-check happy sometimes, but he knows the spots on the court that he can hit shots from, Oh, and he's going to get yeah. to those spots. Yep. Andrew Wiggins, in year four, and this is why he sat in the fourth quarter last night, finally. He has zero clue what he's doing offensively. Four years into this thing, I don't care if he's only 22. He's played over 300 career basketball games in the NBA. And he has zero clue what he's doing offensively. And to make it worse, and again, this is why he sat in the fourth quarter last night, defense included, all right? When his shot's not falling, and never mind the fact that he, he shouldn't even be taking the shots that he's taking. He should just try to get to the hoop. And if he can't get to the hoop, drive, draw the defense, and kick out. When his shot's not falling, he doesn't even think to get other teammates involved. He has logged over 100 minutes in the last three games. He has one assist. He's logged over 100 minutes mm-hmm. the last three games combined. Mm-hmm. And he has one bleeping assist. His rebounding has regressed this season. 
He has a career-low shooting percentage. Oh, he's regressing completely this season. His free throw percentage is that of Shaquille O'Neal in the mid-1990s. He's shooting like 60% from the free throw line. And that is why he sat in the fourth quarter. By the way, 651-646-8255 if you guys want to chime in. So so the snapshot of his night last night, was it the third or, or early in the fourth? I think it was late in the third, potentially. He goes to the free throw line. He misses both of them. Uh, Portland comes down, and I forget if they score or not. No, they don't score. Wolves get the rebound, come down the floor. Shot clock's early, I bet. I bet they've got 12 seconds left at least, if not more. He gets in position, gets the ball, three-point shot. Plenty plenty of time to pass, plenty of time to survey. He's got guys who, who are playing well at that point, or decent, clank. Portland comes down, scores. Portland inbound, or uh, Wolves inbound, Portland steals, scores again. Timeout. That yeah. that in a snapshot is where he's at right now. Yeah, he could, if, if he didn't improve his, let's just say that his shot is broken forever, which I don't think it has to be. I think there was some progress made last year. So I think there's still some hope that, all right, you could you can get that shot back to maybe he starts working with the shooting coach he worked with in the offseason, who a lot of NBA players swear by. I don't think it has to be broken forever. But while it's broken, yep. while it's broken, yep. there are so many things you could do to impact a basketball game. How about start by just showing the same energy that Jimmy Butler shows? Watch Jimmy Butler in the 40 minutes he plays, and then watch the energy he plays with, going in and out, rebounding, distributing, getting guys involved, slashing to the hoop, just being in position on a regular basis. And those are things that are pretty easy to do with minimal talent in the NBA. And that's the most frustrating thing about Wiggins. And he looks lost right now, though. He looks completely lost. He looks, I'm telling you, he looks like the kid who who feels like the outcast. So he says, when I get the ball, I'm just going to shoot. He doesn't look like he has any idea what he's supposed to do. And so he's just like, okay, I'll shoot. Dude, it's uh, when he had the steal last night, he had one nice play, but I'm sorry. Three minutes from that guy in the fourth quarter? That's all you trust him for? Yeah, it's funny because... That's ridiculous. Dude, I brought this stuff up. This is why... I don't know. I've been bringing this stuff up for three years. And I can understand the first couple years, hey, it's way too early. Just back off the guy. People are awfully quiet. The the pro Andrew Wiggins crowd, awfully quiet this season. His contract extension kicks in for the next season. So not this it's season, not but the next right season. Now. Correct, yep. Starting next season... Over that five-year deal, the max deal, mm-hmm. he's going to average making $30 million a year mm-hmm. in a $100 million salary cap league. Now, that's going to keep going up, not quite the same extent that it did. Right. But pretty soon, it's going to be the worst contract in Minnesota sports and one of the worst contracts in the NBA. He is that bad and that clueless. The one thing that you point at and say, yeah, but he can score. He scores 20 points a game. Well, it's like 18 this season. And he has to take so many shots to get there. So many four for 13s well, and, my question and is this, five for 17s. How do, you, how do you begin to fix this? Because you can't just say, well, he can't play with, with uh, Butler. You can't say that. So how do you begin to fix this problem? I think he. I don't think it's a... No, Zach Levine before the injury would have been a much... Because he can shoot threes. He was a, a really good three-point shooter. Yep. Um, there might have been a better natural fit offensively there because Jimmy Butler likes to drive in. He's more of a mid-range and and, and he'll take some threes. But Zach Levine could have stretched it out. Mm -hmm. Look how often, I mean, Wiggins is taking a handful of three-pointers every night and he's one of the worst three-point shooters among qualified players in the league. Yes. But he shoots as many as a Clay Thompson would shoot in a game. Maybe not quite that many, but pretty close. Um, 
You would trust Zach Levine to pull the trigger six or seven times per night on those open threes. Even the open threes, Wiggins is having a tough time cashing in. Um, let's go to a phone call here. 651-646-8255. I believe it's Bob on line one. Our screen's a little bit cut off there. Uh, Bob, yeah, cool. what's going on, man? How you doing, guys? Good. Hey, um, yeah, hey, I told you so calls, but I think we're on the same page on this. I called in several months ago to talk about this. Why in God's name did they sign him to this contract? All the all the great moves and trades they made last year, they've completely flushed the team for the next five. Why did they sign him for this contract? So it's it was a super tough spot, and it's a great question. It's basically either sign him to that contract or risk letting him walk away. Um, and he went to walk away right away, but you had to make such a tough decision because he he's not a complete player yet, but he has this ridiculous ceiling and Jimmy Butler is going to come in and maybe help him. But there's so many red flags. Imagine this. What if you could have, now that you see what Chris Dunn is doing in Chicago, he's 13 or 14 points per game playing wonderful perimeter defense. He's shooting almost 40% from three point range. Um, he's still not a complete player, still misses a bunch of free throws, but Chris Dunn, is 13 and a half points, five assists, five rebounds, shoots threes, plays defense. He's having a breakout season in Chicago. If instead of trading Zach Levine, who returns this week, and Chris Dunn, and then you would have drafted Larry Markinen, who's like double double, yep. shoots threes. Kept him, yeah. Um, if you could have traded Wiggins straight up for Butler, it's how many months? Five or six months later, and I'm already looking at that saying, wow. But you could have traded, you could have kept these other assets. But the question now becomes this how do you begin to fix this? Like, this is off the charts awful now. He can't shoot. He looks lost. And he wasn't a very good shooter last year either. He was just better than he, the previous year. He looks, he looks to me like he is, uh, like he continues to be an extremely passive player, and he's not an alpha, and he's not going to say, okay, I need to fit in here. He's going to say he he almost looks like he's pouting. And so he gets the ball and he just shoots it. But he's not but there's no rhythm to it. There's no there's no reason for it. And if you look at the stats now, he's going backwards significantly. He can't shoot free throws now. What's that all about? Dude, it is So so this but but this goes from your concern which which the flip side to that was, "Oh, it it'll improve with a with his age to now saying no he's going backwards now and somebody and is there somebody who can stop it and here's the problem i'm telling you well he he should ha- if he can't stop it he's not a max player well that's very possible though but but my point is this i don't know that tibbs and butler know how to stop it because they're so impatient and they're going to be i think butler's the type of guy who says i play a certain way watch me play Emulate that again. If and he's I don't, a match I don't, player, he'd stop well, it himself, and he'd figure out okay. what works and what doesn't. But the difference is this: I think Towns ultimately will, will watch a Butler and say, "Oh, okay, I'm starting to get this now," and I think he'll follow. I don't think Andrews like that, and that and that is a massive concern with what's going on here. Let's do two things. Let's keep the phone lines open here: six five one six four six eight two five five. Your thoughts on this Andrew Wiggins discussion? Um, what would you do? What it, it, he, he barely played in the fourth quarter last night, and the Wolves were better without him. Jamal Crawford played because you can't trust him now. Yeah, and the Wolves Wiggins. the Wolves uh, played some hero ball between Jamal Crawford and, and Jimmy Butler to come back down ten against a really good Portland team. It was a great win for the Wolves last night, and it was a it was a fun game. Target Center was rocking last night. 
not the, not the most sustainable blueprint, but you're going to do that every night down 10 against a good team, but yep. it worked last night. And then um, let's check back in with one of Judd's favorite subjects when we come back here, uh, Wild-related, and then a hot stove update. Are the Twins really serious about you, Darvish, or just kind of serious? We'll get to that later this hour. It's Mackie and Judd. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Bring it on! This is 1500 ESPN. Every night, you got to be ready to fight and scratch and, and win. you got to make winning plays. And so, um, I like the toughness that we had. We didn't go away. You know, things weren't going well. Uh, and we found a way to win in the end. It, though it, you know, the fourth quarter it was the one time I thought we, we started to play defense. Uh, for the record, I would, even without really seeing Zach Levine post-surgery, just the fact that he can shoot and the Wolves need someone who can shoot. If he comes back at 75 or 80% the player he was, uh, Wiggins and Levine, both mostly atrocious defensively. I'll take the guy who's a far better offensive player, which is Zach Levine, and the improved Chris Dunn. Um, that that trade, if you had a chance to trade Wiggins instead of those guys for Jimmy Butler, that trade looks really bad six months later. I am, as I said before, I am just curious how you are going to attempt to fix this because you've got to get this guy at least turned around to a certain degree. Yeah, well, the, if, if he can't self-diagnose or self-motivate, it can't be fixed. It can't be fixed. If you can't go to a gym or watch tape and figure out, you know what? Uh, I should probably stop taking mid-range jumpers and three-pointers as much as I am. I should probably Here's the thing get I better do. at dribbling so I'm not dribbling the ball off my knee three times a game and get to the rack and use my athleticism to get other teammates involved. I Figure th- it out. I think Doogie at least has the right idea. Get his shooting coach, who's not employed by the team, up here as, as soon as possible. This strikes me as a person who who needs a level of comfort, and he doesn't have it at all right now. And I realize that that's not ideal, but I would put him in any environment where I can make him as comfortable as possible because you can't be paying a guy like this and, and have a commitment to a guy like this and lose him. Screw his shooting coach. Does he have a coach that can tell him how to get to the rim once in a while? Uh, Tim, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's, yeah, up? Man, what's up? Good. I've been, like you guys, I've been against, against Williams for about three years, and I think it's more than that now, though, because Towns has a rest. And in his regression, he's also regressed the last 10 games. We've got, I think he's gotten worse. He's more lost. Gordy Jing is gone. Is he regressed? I don't, I don't think they have any fun anymore. They don't look athletic. Town looks, Towns looks like he's, he doesn't even, even when he drives the basket now, he's missing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it has to do with Thibodeau. And they need to have fun. They're 22 years old. Yeah, I, I, thanks, Tim. I, I think I agree with the. I, here's the here's the, the problem. The fun aspect, it's definitely a grind. He's right. All right, a lot of nights this team looks like a joyless collection. They are they are not having a good time. All of that being said, here's the here's the problem. It's professional sports, and I don't think Tibbs or Butler care about fun. So this is dicey because I think it's important. I think treating every game like a football game in basketball, is a serious mistake. However, when I look at Tibbs and Butler, that's my sense. I mean, Jimmy Butler yesterday asked about this great comeback win. Shifts the conversation from the offensive explosion to let's talk about defense and what we did, which is great. But 
It just speaks to the fact that Tibbs and Butler treat every one of these games as if it's a football game. And and for a younger player, I'm sure that becomes very difficult because they do want to enjoy their time on the court, and I don't know that they are. Yeah, what I worry about with Tom Thibodeau's coaching style, and we don't get to see it as much behind the scenes, so it's possible he's just different on game day. My my guess is he's not this jovial, you know, laid back guy during practice. It's probably a lot of the same, where he's just writing and writing and writing. And I don't think that's great leadership in sports in 2017. I think there has to be an element of empowerment and galvanizing, not just foot in ass, well, suppo- which is which is his entire coaching experience during a two and a half hour game. Supposedly in practices he tries to teach. I think the problem is though in games. He gets so wound so tight that that it takes away, it it puts pressure on, and then guys don't have fun. And I don't think but, <laughs> Butler necessarily helps that because when Tibbs gets wound tight, I think Butler is too. Like I don't think there's one person, and and I thought that I thought Butler would would be this guy, but I don't know. I thought he would sort of ease things. I don't think he does. I think he says let's let's do what Tibbs is saying and let's get more intense. And then guys like Towns and the rest of the team basically get wound more tight. Yeah. So I so, mean, so they're on, know. you know, they're on pace for 48 wins this season. They're sitting a game and a half up, I believe, in the four seed spot right now in the Western Conference, leading the division. So there's a lot of good things. And Jimmy Butler and Jamal Crawford are cold-blooded fourth quarter killers. Last night they were. So there's a lot of good elements here, but there's also a lot of things that you're just kind of waiting for. You're waiting for for some change, and it's you're not going to be able to fall down like that after three quarters against the seven best teams in the NBA, of which the Blazers aren't. So, mm-hmm. uh, but again, like a, a you know, forty eight win team is different than a sixty win team. It's different than a historically good team. Mm-hmm. You're just you're going to have games where you look bad against bad teams or get down by ten and have to claw your way back. So, uh, all right, so that's in Minneapolis. Meanwhile, in St. Paul. Did the captain cash in? It's time to find out if Miko Koivu got the biscuit in the basket. Here's Judd Zolgad. Well, you can write this down. I was wrong last Friday. My prediction was that Miko Koivu would score a goal, not on Saturday, but on Sunday in Chicago. And guess what? He didn't. He also didn't score on Saturday, despite the fact that he was uh, he had the puck on his stick to the side of a wide open net and managed to hit the post. The puck mm. the puck went off the goaltender's backside. The goaltender fell on the puck and saved it. We are now, gentlemen, looking at a top two center in the National Hockey League who has not scored a goal in a top two line center. Top two line center, yeah, for the Wild. Okay, top two line center for the Wild. He is one of their top centers. He he is a he is an extremely important part of this team. He has not scored a goal in 24 games. Wow. Wow. That You know what? That's he has, impressive, wait, actually. It gets more impressive. That's impressive. It gets more impressive. Wow. Going into tonight's game in Ottawa, Miko Koivu has no points in the past 11 games. None whatsoever. And my guy Boots is left post-game now to talk about, well, you guys don't understand what he does defensively for this team, and he's fantastic defensively. Sort of reminds me of last night's game. When Fox Sports North and he's tri- become Drew, the Drew Butera of hockey yes, players. Yes. Oh, you don't understand. No, we do. He, he can't Wiggy hit. got credit on Fox Sports North last night. Well, sure, he had an atrocious game, but he made a big defensive play late. Okay, at some point in time, guess what? You're paid a lot of money not to just make big defensive plays. But in Koivu's case, 
to score a bleeping goal. So we've gotten to the point now with both Wiggins and Koivu, both at different points in their careers, where we're just going to cherry pick the two good plays they had on any given night. Hey, I know he shot 30% coming, from the field coming up and a, dribbled the ball off his leg eight times, but up, hey, that one defensive play. Uh, a breakdown of Miko Koivu's faceoff total tonight. He won six of them. Uh, down to the fact, the comparisons right now are close enough that it's down to the fact that Miko has a two-year, $11 million contract extension that he signed in September that begins next season. So you now have him not just for this year, but the year after and the year after. And, of course, there's a no-trading clause involved as well. Twenty. If he doesn't score a goal tonight, he will be at 25 games without a goal and 12 games without a point. That's a long time. You think that's a problem? Yeah, I think if you're going to be logging that many minutes on a team where you have other players logging a lot of minutes, like Granlin and, and Coyle, that don't, they're not going to light the lamp 25, 30 times. Like if it's kind of a simple math game, right? If it's it's one thing if you have Ovechkin who just takes up 45 to 50 of your goals, and the okay, the other guys don't have to be quite as concerned. Just get the get the puck to him. Mm-hmm. But you're capped with how many minutes you play and how many players are going to play. And if, like, three guys you are capped, among yes. your top two or three lines just don't really score, that's kind of a problem. <laughs> don't don't tell me. If you want to talk about Miko Koivu being responsibly, defensively, and fantastic, then that's fine. Then he's a third- or fourth-line guy. Now, I said two years ago he was a third-line center. Last year he bounced back, and I thought he played well. And I said, okay, it's very fair. He's a second-line guy, and, and he's effective. He now, when I watch him play— He's lost another step. This is not this is not going to change. He'll score goals again at some point. I don't think it's going to be a lot. He'll score some goals. But that being said, I think he's lost another step and you have now committed another contract extension with with a partial no trade at least if not full to a guy who's going to eat up cap room. This is why I said in September, what are you doing? Why not let the contract expire and then yeah. if he, and then if he wants to come back, he can come back. And if he decides, I want three years. You say, Miko, it's been fun. It's been great. We'll see ya. We're going to go get somebody else. And can I clarify something? He's 34. I don't know if he's the one at this age. You know, if you want to rip him when he's 29 for not really being a goal scorer, oh, dude, you're in your hockey prime. At 34, it's more the empowerment of him by giving him the contract, right, and putting him in those positions. I mean, how many 34-year-old guys are... I don't expect him to score a ton, too, but twenty he's going on 25 games without a goal. 12 games without a point. So you can't say, well, he's playing on the line that's scoring. He's just not scoring the goals. And then, like, so Granlin's played 28 games now. He missed a few games earlier in the year. He's got seven goals only. Yes. Um, I mean... Collar and I did a... Felino has three. <laughs> And has been scratched in I two of the past three yeah. games. The Felino and Ennis trade now is an awful trade. The Scandella Pominville, listen, I was as delighted to, to get rid of that Pominville contract as the next person, but you traded a very viable defenseman in a deal where you got two guys back. I you and not only that, here's the kicker. You signed Felino to I believe a four year contract extension. So you got him restricted. So he had to be signed, but instead of saying, we'll give you one year, yeah. let's see, you signed him, I believe it's four years. Boy. I told Collar this, trade the trade deadline, if I'm in ninth place and I'm teetering, I shop Granlin, I shop Stahl and see if he'll waive his no trade, trade to go to a contender, I shop Coyle, and Collar's point was Brodeen too. How much value do you even, like, 
How much value do those guys? That's even have? but at least like I'm taking. But at a... least I'm taking them to market to find out. Um, percent chance the Wild can win the Stanley Cup. Even with hockey, if if you want to say that there's luck involved in the playoffs, I put it at about five percent. I mean, so you if, that, look if that's the if that's the case, aren't aren't you better off almost yes, bailing backwards? Now, yes, uh, what's are. what's Parisi's status right now? He's been practicing a little. He's bit. He's been practicing, and he'll probably be back at some point. My guess is you're going to want to see what the team looks like with him. Yeah, but you know what? <coughs> that's true. I don't think it's going to be. I mean, he's coming off back surgery. He's thirty, what, 32, 33 at this point. He'll give you. He'll give you something. But consider the way he plays, all right? Back surgery. Back surgery, I believe, to get his life back, essentially. Like, he couldn't move before. To assume that he's going to come back and play the the reckless style that, that he was capable of previously is a big mistake. And, by the way, get Cunning back here. Get those guys back here. You're playing this Mitchell kid who's a gr- and I'm sure he's a great kid, and he's a hard worker, and he's a grinder. Kind of your future. Get your future bet back here. But if you are if you are a fringe playoff team at the deadline, I would bail. Here's your problem. The o- owner before the season said Stanley Cup or bust. Oh, the, at some point you can the be co- realistic and pivot. It off gets of worse. That. It gets worse. The coach was hired specifically to win now, and the GM, unless it's changed, is in the last year of his contract. Nobody has any incentive to bail backwards. And that's not good. Interesting. Um, well, well, hey, other than that was bright and rosy segment. There hockey podcast. We team. broke it down. Matthew Collar and I. Hockey Adventures podcast. The uh, Matt and Judd Hockey Adventure podcast. Yeah, you can find it iTunes, 15hardyspn.com, pretty much anywhere you would uh, subscribe to podcasts. All right, let's get Wetmore in here from the Touch Em All podcast and uh, discuss this U Darvish stuff. The Twins beat writers continue to report the Twins are very serious about the U Darvish pursuit. Are we to believe that? This would be out of character for the Twins organization. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie. I'm a big fan of yours, man. I'm a big fan. Judd Zolgad. Why can't you be enthusiastic and quirky? I'm Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. It is hot stove season still, even though the winter meetings ended last week. And the Minnesota Twins came away with a new closer, but not the starting pitcher, Big Fish, that they were rumored to be in on. We got Derek Wetmore in here. Uh, Here's the problem for potential hot stove uh, happenings over the next several weeks. Derek Wetmore from the uh, Touch Em All podcast, by the way, and 1500ESPN.com. Scott Boris represents almost all of the key free agents left on the market, and he's not a guy who's going to just, like, accept a deal in December that is less than 10 years and $700 billion. You're going to see most of the Scott Boris clients go deep into the offseason unless you give them what they want. Uh, so that's something to consider. Let's start with this, though, Derek. You, Darvish, Lavelli Neal, and Rhett Bollinger both continue to report, uh, Twins beat writers, that the Twins are serious about their you, Darvish pursuit. <sighs> Do you buy that the Twins are willing? I To me, I think it's more about term. I think they're willing to go the $20 million a year necessary. I don't know if they're willing to go the six years or whatever it may be in terms of length of contract, and I don't know if I fault them for that if that's their hang-up. Yeah, if you're talking about a pitcher who's going to be a top-of-the-rotation pitcher probably for at least three, maybe four years, four years on $100 million is the starting point, right? You are perfectly comfortable with those terms because that's what it costs. Jake Arrieta might get that. And Jake Arrieta is not the pitcher that you Darvish is. 
He, he used to be, but he's not anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I guess if that's the hangup, then I, it's, man, it's hard to blame anybody for that. I think that you Darvish is the best free agent pitcher available, and I don't think it's close. But I also think that if you sign you Darvish to a seven-year deal worth like $175 million, that's a lot of money. And eventually, the you Darvish contract starts to look really bad on your books. I think if you're the Twins, a mid-market team, kind of on the upswing, mm-hmm. maybe ready to pounce and, and make that next jump, I think you really have to decide, boy, is this the time to take a swing? And can we afford to be wrong about this? That to me is the number one question because if you're if it if it works out if the contract looks great nobody's gonna fault you for spending any amount of money good for you you put yourself in the World Series conversation and you, and you have to pay for that but it's if it doesn't work out that's when you have to start saying boy uh, can we still make it work with this core and these players where do we think he's at the the tip pit pitches things sort of began to concern me if you guys recall. He got traded from Texas to L.A., and at that point in time, they said he's tipping his pitches. I think there was a game in Miami where they said he was clearly doing it. We're going to fix it. It'll be great. Then he goes to the Dodgers, pitches again, and then and then that story comes up again. Well, he struggled with the Dodgers at times because of, of the same thing. And I just look at his age, the Tommy John, and I say to myself— is this guy is this guy still at the top of his game, or are are we looking at a potentially soon declining pitcher who, who we're coming up with some excuses for why he get rough spots? Good question. I, that, that would that, concern me. That a lot. last part is the hang up for me. That's the question that I want to know. How good is you Darvish going to be five years from now? Because like I just said, three. He's the yeah. He's the best free Ooh. agent pitcher available. Mm-hmm. Not close. Mm-hmm. And he's even better than a lot of trade candidates that you got. You could go call up the Pirates and ask what Garrett Cole costs, and you Darvish is a better pitcher. So it's not about is he going to be good for the Twins rotation this year? Is he going to be good for the Twins rotation next year? Oh, by the way, there are other teams in the bidding too, so the Cubs might have something to say about this, how good he's going to be for their rotation. But let's leave that aside for a second because the age thing to me, Judd, that's got to be something you just know if you're the Twins. You've got to know what you're willing to risk on you, Darvish, as an aging pitcher. And here's the optimistic view. He's a guy with a bunch of different pitches that if anything starts to decline or he starts to lose control of one pitch or like the slider wasn't a great pitch for him last year, he can diversify. You know, he's still got a big fastball. You can move things around. Pretty decent control, strikeout guy. That's a pitcher that could potentially age pretty well. The flip side of that is... How long does his how long does a mid thirties pitcher hang on to his velocity? When does the control start to go? Will that be within the terms of this next contract? And do all the innings that he threw in Japan before even signing with the Rangers, does that add mileage to the tires that you're worried about? Yes, he just had Tommy John surgery and he's a year off of that and should be getting better. But just because you had Tommy John once doesn't mean you're free and clear that the rest of your career you're going to be fine and your ulnar collateral ligament will just hold up until you decide to retire. There's a lot of scary factors with uh, signing a big contract for a guy like Darvish. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the other move from last week after uh, we got done with, with you uh, on Tuesday last week, the Twins did sign Fernando Rodney to a one-year contract, $4.5 million, and then incentives up to $6 million. The Fernando Rodney experience is it's compelling. It's Sometimes it's two months of unhittable closing, and other times it's okay. We got to sit this guy for a week because clearly he is getting bounced around. In fact, 
last year, and, and he's uh, 41 years old, Fernando Rodney, still throws 95 to 98 miles an hour. In the month of April, he was atrocious for the Diamondbacks last year. Gave up runs in half of his appearances. We're talking crooked numbers. A five spot against the Padres on April 26th. He followed that up uh, with a three spot, two walks. Just got knocked around by the Rockies. Mm -hmm. And then he went from May 2nd until July 1st. He went two full months and didn't give up a run. So he's one of the most wildly streaky closers in all of baseball and uh, he's going to be closing out games, at least to, to start the season for the Twins. It surprises me a little bit that the Twins guaranteed him that job. It doesn't surprise me that they sign him. They add him to the bullpen. He'll be a helpful late-inning arm. He strikes guys out. He also walks a lot of guys. But it surprises me that there came, that came with such assurance that uh, Rodney told us on a conference call last week that the Twins told him he's going to be their closer. It surprises me because that means, oh, you're not going to go trade for a better reliever? And, oh, there's still some good closers out there that are better than Fernando Rodney that you're not in the running for? That All of that sort of surprised me a little bit. But now that the Twins have addressed, uh, addressed at least a little bit their bullpen, a good, not great reliever in my opinion, I'm told they're going to pivot. They are going to start focusing much harder on starting pitching. That's why the U Darvish conversation is interesting. Other free agents bullpen that are out done, there. Then? Basically, I mean, I don't know you still need help there. The person I talked to didn't say done. Okay. They said pivoting attention because at least it's been addressed. Like, worst case scenario going into next season for the Twins, you have a bullpen that has Fernando Rodney, guy with 300 career saves. Say what you want about his wildness, his streakiness. He's been there. So you got a guy that you can trust sort of in the late innings. And then Trevor Hildenberger right. really emerged as a good late inning option for the Twins last year. So worst case scenario, you've got two guys that you trust back there. Meanwhile, the starting rotation, I think we'd all agree, could use a little bit of a boost. So it's hard to blame the Twins for sort of turning that attention now. Who who do they see as the, the closer in 2019? Because it's pretty clear with, with this move to me that, that they internally... Look at you, that they know You're just skipping the entire 2019 season. No, 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 no. I'm, say, I'm saying if you look at this, they signed a 40-year-old guy, soon to be 41, correct? Yeah, he'll be 41 okay. in March. They don't know. You don't like, sign. Don't, no, no, know. but no, but I think but I think they've identified somebody that they privately like and so they're they're going to see how yeah, this me, plays out. Let me out. ask you differently. Who's the closer on July 1st? Do you think it's still Fernando Rodney? I it's think very it, possible it, it, it might not be. Yeah, Joe, they, don't, they don't know what they have in their relievers. They don't know if Trevor Hildenberg no, can repeat his I understand that, Phil, but what I'm saying is I, I think they've identified a few guys that they like and see as as potential options for that job. Maybe. what, what stands you don't go out, out to me, there and get a guy for three years. Right. What stands out to me is that there were a lot of good relievers. A lot of relievers, to me, that are better than Fernando Rodney that signed this past week. That's my point. I think and, they see people internally. Sure. The Twins could have gone and signed a three-year deal for a guy like Brandon Morrow. Mm -hmm. Instead, he goes to the Cubs. Good money, you know, not a ton of closing experience, but good reliever. There are guys like that that were more expensive and better than Fernando Rodney. And the fact that the Twins are shopping in this sort of like, I'll call it second tier bin, or like, it's not necessarily a bargain bin, but it's a good contract for the Twins. It's hard to look bad. Bin. It's hard to look bad on this contract for Fernando Rodney. If it works out, great. And if it doesn't, boy, you're not really out that much. So yeah. I think the Twins are really just sort of. They're just trying to add a couple of chips to their stack, and is it is it the is it the Wade Davis? Is it the Greg Holland? Addison Reed? Is it one of those type of relievers? No, it's not. But they must like the options that they have out there for them to even be shopping in the Fernando Rodney. Band. Yeah, the hard part is it's really easy to sit here and say 
the Twins can compete this season and they should do everything they can. So why wouldn't they be in on and then name your uh, uh, like uh, Brian Shaw example? Well, that's a three-year, $27 million contract for a non-elite reliever who's mostly been a seventh-inning guy. And uh, and the Rockies are taking a shot on that in three years, $27 million for Jake McGee. There's better places to spend your money. In fact, if you can't develop relief options from within to the point where you have to go spend on sixth and seventh inning guys, $54 million over three years, um, you're probably not building a winning structure with your franchise. So I'm, I'm torn a little in that they need bullpen improvements now, but if they have to rely on horrible three-year contracts for guys like Brian Shaw, then you're, you're probably not going to beat the Astros yeah. and the Yankees anyway. Well, I just look around the rest of the American League. There is a lot better bullpens than what the Twins have right now. Mm-hmm. And that makes me question, why didn't you... Do more than Fernando Rodney. Maybe, maybe Fernando Rodney is like a nice supplementary piece, but could you have done Fernando Rodney and Tommy Hunter, Fernando Rodney and Pat Neshek? Yeah. Or so, you know, something like that, just to pick two names out of out of the bin of guys who signed decent contracts who have been good late inning relievers and strike guys out. I, I no, think that like, the Twins if, could have done more, but I don't think it's a horrible signing on its face. If Addison Reed wants to come down to two years and $16 million, maybe the Twins are back in, but it's possible that... Addison, he's still out there, right? Yeah, he's a free agent. He's um, he's going to probably close for somebody, I would guess. But yeah, that's the thing. If he wants $30 million over three years, then I'm probably going to say no to that. Probably. And you already promised Fernando Rodney the job. So. Well, there's that too, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's, that's why I think that's Sorry weird. about that. We, Sorry, uh, bud. Oh, misspoke. We misspoke, yeah. yeah my yeah. bad. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, you can find our Touch Em All Twins podcast uh, multiple times a week. We're pumping out content on that thing. And Derek at 1500ESPN.com. All right, dude. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Derek. Uh, we still have uh, another hour and change to go here on Mackie and Judd, including getting back to our Vikings MVP ballot for 2017 without ripping Case Keenum too much, which is pretty much what our entire inbox has turned into here, uh, accusing us. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. So behind that peaceful countenance, there's, 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 uh, they're up to no good. Not only they're peaceful, Patrick, but they're really, really stupid. Uh, there was <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Oh, little Rod Stewart cover here. Good stuff. Who is this? I'll find out for you in a moment. This is the first time we've played this yeah. one. I think. Yeah. Great this might song. be one of those where if you were born after a certain year, you think like, oh, this is a great new song and don't realize that it's, it's a, Rod Stewart. Yeah. Oh, that's a great you Rod always, Stewart You song. feel old when songs you listen to when you were a kid or when you were a teenager, when they start to come around like 20 or 30 years later as covers. <laughs> Tell me about it. And <laughs> yeah. then they come around to again. That point. <laughs> and then they come around again and you're on your third and there are pe- people like, this is a great new song. You're like, nah, yeah. a band in 1965 up. did that. Right. There's a, like, or when a song gets sampled. There's a, there's a, I think there's like either a Kanye West song or uh-huh. someone who sampled an Otis Redding track from the, you know, from the sixties. And I remember listening at a party one night, holiday party a couple of years ago and I said, oh, that's Otis, yeah, Otis Redding is cool. And they're like, no, 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 it's Kanye. Like, <laughs> oh no, I know it's Kanye, but like, oh, I thought this was original. No, it's not original. Otis He's, what? You know, Kanye is not the legend that you think he Doc is. Doc of the, huh? <laughs> exactly. Never heard of it. That is D-N-C-E. That's oh, okay. Actually, that's good, though. That's catchy. Yes, I like uh, it. Apparently, uh, the best new artists of the year uh, for the MTV Music Awards. Uh, they were. A lot, I yes. may or may not have been watching those. Wow. Just to you see, really stay up those? on my pop culture. Not every year, but happened to be watching this time around. They put, it, they put the MTV Music Awards and the... The uh, like the uh, they have the music awards and they have the something else. They have two different award shows, movie awards. Yeah, and they put them on like all VH1 
BET, MTV, all of the different music and entertainment channels they have. So as you're flipping around, you see it nine times. It's like the Twins Rose thing. The Twins... Uh, Diamond Awards. Di- the Diamond Awards on Fox. Coming well, up next... Well, that's only on Fox Sports North. I'm saying that these are on no, a I'm million just saying, different channels. But you just see it all the time. Coming up next, after the <laughs> Wild Game and after Wild Live, yeah. the Diamond Awards. Yeah. For the 74th time. Yeah. It's Lavelle again. What percentage would you put on the Twins actually landing you, Darvish? Knowing that they're interested, but... Length of contract might be a deal. The Cubs are now in on you, Darvish. Seven percent, incredibly low. Incredibly low. I was going to say like ten percent. And 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 believe me, when 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 he signs with the Cubs or somewhere else, there will be a portion of the fan base that ah, typical Twins. They were never in on this. Yeah. When we see the term of that contract and the terms total, I think a lot of people say, "Oh, okay, that's cool. That's fine." Yeah, I don't have any interest in. I can't emphasize how little interest I have in a six-year investment in a guy who's had Tommy John and is his age. Yeah, I think um, if you're the agent in this case, you're going to look at, for instance, a Zach Greinke contract, and a little bit different because he uh, he signed. Let me think here. I want to say he signed two years ago. That was at least now with the Diamondbacks. He's he's been with the Diamondbacks for two years, Mm -hmm. and so he was. 31 or 32 years old when he signed that contract. You Darvish is younger, so you Darvish has even more of a case for a length of contract. And Grinky signed for $34 million a year yep. on like a five-year deal with a couple of options on the end. Now, Grinky, when he signed it, was coming off a 1.66 earned run average, best in the majors, 222 innings, a 19-3 and record. So he was coming off a better season and maybe a better body of work in terms of durability and mm-hmm. uh, you know perennially being in the Cy Young hunt. Uh, but he was older. But if you're negotiating on behalf of you, Darvish, don't you say, listen, if Zach Greinke is making $34 million a year on like a five or a six-year deal, yeah, and my guy's been better than Zach Greinke at times the last few years, and maybe even the last two years, my guy, $30 million. I, I could see this getting up to... $150 million over five to six years or I, maybe more. I think the Twins are being very smart by making it clear to the beat guys that they're in, which I think is good. It's 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 been far too long that the assumption has been, well, it's it's this guy, so they're, they're not going to be in on him. He's going to be too expensive. Or they wouldn't even like I, call yes. the agents I think in it's some a, cases. I think what they're planting here is a good idea, and I don't mind it, but this is going to get too rich. And now if this was if you know if this was a kid, it'd be different, but it's not. So six years is gonna be entirely too much for me. Yeah, that's uh but that's the thing. And then it's a no-win situation because people are gonna get mad if you don't sign him. But if it winds up being a six how many six year, twenty to thirty million dollar a year pitcher contracts wind up really working out? Or you really got your five or six years worth without a Tommy John, without a major and you win a dip World Series, for instance. Yeah. I mean, even so you say who cares? Kershaw missed half the year this year and wasn't the same guy in the postseason. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I would be fine with Alex Cobb, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to uh, trade. Seems like Are the, Cubs the still path they're trying to well? explore. The Cubs were, were pursuing Cobb as well last week. I know I saw that. There was a report at the beginning of the winter meetings that the Cubs were close to landing him, and their goal was to get him by the Monday of the winter meetings, and that's obviously okay. passed. It's been a week and a half. Now. And once Darvish is done, the, the the rest of those guys should start to fall at that point. But he might not sign until January or February. Why is he that? He might hold out. Just he, trying to get more and more? Yeah. 
was, teams are still going to be desperate for a top starting pitcher. Yeah, I guess you get to you get to February a week before pitchers and catchers report, and you look around and say, "Man, if we want to win the World Series, we need you, Darvish." All right, screw it. Six years and I a bajillion dollars.